Global Risk Analysis. March 2023. Introduction. ACAPS analysts conduct the daily monitoring and independent analysis of more than 150 countries, including regular risk analysis. ACAPS Global Risk Analysis outlines a number of key contexts where new crises may emerge or where a particular situation may notably deteriorate within the next six months, causing a spike in humanitarian needs. The risks included in this report were based on the identification of newly emerging crises, new risks, following new events or factors, triggers, that may emerge over the coming six months. Such triggers would point towards a hazard materializing, which would result in new or more severe humanitarian needs in a monitored context. Potential rapid and marked deterioration in an existing crisis that, because of a combination of deteriorating trends and new events, may significantly deteriorate in the next six months, leading to worse humanitarian outcomes. We run a trend analysis to identify such risks. It should be noted that a steadily deteriorating humanitarian situation that continues at the same pace is considered a trend and not a risk. This report does not include trends. ACAPS closely monitors previously identified risks to see if they materialize. You can find the updates on the risks identified in ACAPS Global Risk Analysis, October 2022 at the end of this report. ACAPS identifies risks at the regional, country, or subnational level. ACAPS has identified risks over the next six months in the following 11 locations to alert humanitarian decision-makers and responders on the possible emergence of new crises or significant deteriorations of existing humanitarian crises. The aim is to support preparedness for timely and adequate responses. High risk, Afghanistan, Myanmar, Palestine. Medium risk, Democratic Republic of Congo, DRC, Nigeria, Pakistan, Peru, Turkey, Syria, Zimbabwe. Low risk, Armenia slash Azerbaijan, Tunisia. ACAPS methodology and process. The ACAPS risk methodology defines risk as the probability of a hazard or multiple hazards materializing, combined with the estimated impact of such hazards. Simplistically stated, risk equals impact x probability. The associated risk level, low, medium, or high, is given by the combination of impact x probability, with the risk level increasing as either the expected severity of the impact of the event or its probability of happening increases. Impact is the expected overall humanitarian consequences of a hazard. It can be an increase in the number of people needing assistance, the severity of their needs, or both. The impact is based on the assessment of the following components. Exposure to the hazard, people, property, systems, or other elements present in hazard zones that a hazard could adversely affect. Intensity of the hazard, the degree, level, strength, or magnitude of a hazard. Severity of impact, the degree or level of humanitarian consequences resulting from the materialization of the hazard. The population's vulnerability to shocks. People's coping strategies and local, national, and international response capacities to deteriorating living and humanitarian conditions. ACAPS classifies impact on a five-point scale very low, low, moderate, significant, or major. Probability is the chance of a hazard materializing. ACAPS assesses probability on a five-point scale, very low, low, medium, high, or very high. Probability and impact levels are not mathematically calculated but assigned through expert judgment based on context knowledge. The overall risk level is the combination of the two, meaning it is also assigned through expert judgment. Key Principles of Risk Analysis 
Risk analysis requires a solid understanding of the context and an investigation of the interaction of variables that could cause or resist change. Risk analysis has a certain degree of uncertainty. An event identified as a hazard might not evolve or materialize as anticipated, or it might not have the projected impact. Events or factors triggers, expected to drive a shift or change in the situation may not occur, or new factors may arise that prevent the projected change or shift from happening. Risk probability does not need to be high to warrant concern. A hazardous event with a low or medium probability of occurring should be a cause of concern for humanitarians if the expected impact is medium, high, or very high. Limitations Considering the diversity and complexity of the crises presented in this report, we cannot cover each in detail. Instead, we highlight the broad evolution of each crisis to flag potential deteriorations and inform the framing of operations, strategies, and policies. Risk analysis focuses on negative outcomes and may not adequately consider the potential benefits or opportunities of different events. This report does not capture all the risks that we are monitoring. It is a selection of 11 contexts that we deem relevant to the humanitarian sector for the next six months. Geophysical sudden onset disasters, such as earthquakes and volcanic eruptions, and other unforeseen circumstances that may change the course of events are difficult to account for in risk analysis. Information and data gaps for certain contexts limit the analysis. While we seek to ensure that all information is current at the time of publication, the fluidity of the situation in some countries means significant changes can occur quickly. Other anticipatory analyzers from ACAPS. ACAPS often produces country-specific risk reports, scenarios, and anticipatory notes. Some recent publications that complement this global analysis are Madagascar, Tropical Cyclone Freddy Exposure and Vulnerabilities Syria-Turkey Earthquakes, What to Watch Over the Next Month Ukraine, Outlook and Risk Analysis for 2023 Colombia, Colombia Risk Analysis Update Afghanistan, Forward-Looking Snapshot of the Afghan Economy Afghanistan, Risk Update, December 2022 Somalia, Outlook on Drought For the complete list of risks ACAPS analysts have identified during their daily monitoring and analysis, you can consult the ACAPS risk list. Afghanistan A severe economic crisis, harsh winter and disruption of aid and winterization support the increase in food insecurity and malnutrition until July to August. Risk level, high. Probability, high. Impact, significant. Rationale. The Taliban takeover in August 2021 has resulted in financial restrictions, further aggravating Afghanistan's already dire economic situation and precipitating into an economic crisis. Consequently, over 80% of Afghan households have since suffered a substantial drop in income or completely lost their means of income. In 2022-2023, Afghanistan endured a severe winter, Winter typically runs from December to March, with temperatures dropping to minus 34 degrees Celsius in January in some provinces, making it the coldest winter in a decade. Over 70,000 cattle died within a week in January as a result of harsh winter conditions, leaving many agricultural workers without resources. With the loss of drought-stricken animals, farmers will face a severe loss of income and difficulties in crop cultivation. Winter also disrupts transportation and food supplies, with heavy snowfall making roads impassable, affecting people's access to essential services, like healthcare, and aggravating the already precarious situation of many Afghans. 
reduced income and high prices resulting from inflation have forced Afghans to choose between buying food or paying for heating. A ban imposed on women NGO workers by the Interim Taliban Authority on 24 December 2022 has also led to disrupted aid and winterization support from humanitarian organizations in 2023, worsening the situation. Though temporary, the sudden aid disruption during the harsh winter has made people more vulnerable and less resilient to overcoming economic hardship. The situation has contributed to increasing food insecurity. Even if the majority of the Afghan population dependent on agriculture as their main source of income receives sufficient support to plant in the spring, many will see no income until harvest in July to August and will face increasing food insecurity into the summer months. At the same time, the urban population will face further reductions in their salaries and casual labor opportunities because of the economic crisis. Impact Approximately 20 million people in Afghanistan were projected to be severely food insecure facing crisis, IPC Phase 3, or worse food insecurity levels, between November 2022 and March 2023, including 6 million people projected to face emergency, IPC Phase 4, levels. The food security situation is especially dire in Gore province, where all humanitarian activities remain suspended as a result of disagreements between local authorities and humanitarian organizations. Over 3.2 million children under 5 are projected to be acutely malnourished in Afghanistan. Of this number, 875,227 are likely to be severely malnourished, SAM, and 2,347,800 moderately malnourished, MAM. Between November 2022 and April 2023, 16 provinces are expected to fall into critical, IPC AMN Phase 4, acute malnutrition. An increase in food insecurity and a lack of a diverse diet will increase malnutrition and child mortality in the country. Increased food insecurity and the harsh winter may result in lasting respiratory diseases and potentially more deaths for children, the elderly, and people with chronic diseases or disabilities. In January, over 160 people died from the harsh winter. Acute respiratory diseases also increased, mainly among children. The economic crisis since 2021 has taken its toll on people's resilience. Coping mechanisms have been stretched to the limit. Any further increase in food insecurity will result in the increased adoption of negative coping mechanisms, including child marriage and child labor, which will have a disproportionate impact on women and girls. The loss in food security can also lead people to migrate or seek refuge to neighboring countries in search of protection and work, exposing people to protection risks while migrating. In 2022, income from opium production accounted for 29% of the total agricultural sector value. Despite the current ban on drug cultivation, opium production is likely to continue, especially in areas less tightly controlled by the Taliban. The opium harvest from April to July will provide income to some rural households during that period, mitigating the impact of food insecurity in some rural areas. Myanmar Heightened military response following increased territorial control of and collaboration among anti-military resistance forces results in intensified conflict across most of the country, leading to a deterioration of the humanitarian situation. Risk level high. Probability very high. Impact significant. Rationale. Myanmar's military is currently facing a conflict of scale and intensity they had never faced before. It is estimated that the junta and its militias have full control only of nearly 30% of the 330 townships of Myanmar. Around 60% of the townships are either contested or under the control of anti-military resistance groups. 
The February 2021 coup by the Myanmar military was followed by the formation of a government in exile called the National Unity Government, NUG, and its armed wing, the People's Defense Forces, PDFs, with the NUG acting as a parallel government in the areas under its control. Since the coup, the PDFs have been in intense conflict with the military. Through time, the PDFs have been enhancing their capacities, including by adopting innovative technologies, such as weaponized drones. Since 2022, there has been increased collaboration between the PDFs and ethnic armed organizations on military training, the supply of arms, and common defensive and offensive strategies. On the other hand, the junta's military has been losing personnel because of injuries, defections, and desertions, leading it to tap into other forces, such as the police and militias, for support. It has also issued a right-to-arms policy allowing civilians to access weapons, with the aim of facilitating the creation of new or the expansion of existing pro-military junta militias. Because of the increased territorial control of and collaboration among anti-military resistance forces, the military and its affiliated militias are expected to increase operations in the coming months to gain back lost territories and reduce the strength of resistance forces. As a result, conflict will escalate across most of the country. The military is likely to increase airstrikes, especially as a result of congenial non-monsoon weather conditions, to conduct air operations. It is also likely to attack civilians and infrastructure, heightening constraints on humanitarian access. The junta has already employed this tactic to force anti-military resistance groups to use up their resources for meeting the needs of conflict-affected populations and to cut off such groups from their access to food, finances, intelligence, and recruits. Impact An escalation of fighting across the vast majority of the country will likely increase the number of IDPs to 2.4 million in the third quarter of 2023, as per OCHA 2023 projections. Currently, there are more than 1.6 million IDPs in the country, of whom about 1.4 million are post-coup IDPs. Many people will likely flee conflict-affected areas to remote locations, such as jungles, which are cut off from any services and beyond the reach of humanitarian responders. Displacement will increase protection threats, such as family separation, psychological distress, gender-based violence, and human trafficking. The agriculture sector employs more than 70% of the workforce in Myanmar. If conflict intensifies, agriculture inputs and infrastructure could be damaged and looted, and landmines and explosive remnants of war will contaminate croplands. Many farmers will be forced to leave their lands, losing their source of livelihood. The food production gap will further increase, heightening food insecurity and malnutrition. Increased movement restrictions, the rapid depreciation of currency and inflation, high fertilizer and fuel costs, and a lack of government support for farmers will also heighten the loss of livelihood and food insecurity situation. Palestine New proposed legislation and evictions planned by Israel cause an uprising and violence in the West Bank, with potential of spillover in Gaza, affecting Palestinians' livelihoods and humanitarian conditions and generating heightened protection concerns. Risk level high Probability, medium Impact, significant Rationale. Benjamin Netanyahu, the longest-serving Israeli leader, returned to power on 29 December 2022 under a fragile coalition, with Likud and ultranationalist parties holding the majority of parliamentary seats. Since then, the coalition has agreed on a number of measures, which vow to annex the occupied territories of the West Bank, legalize 70 settlements, and overhaul the judicial system to limit its power. The draft legislation for reforming the judicial system would allow the Israeli parliament to overrule by simple majority the Supreme Court of Israel's decisions. 
This includes turning down parliamentary laws intended to legalize settlements and outposts on private Palestinian land and pave the way for the annexation of the West Bank. It would also give the executive branch more power in appointing judges and government legal advisers. In its first two months, the new government has already called for the eviction of 1,000 Palestinians from their homes in Masofa Yata locality and of 200 residents of Khan al-Ahma. It has also already authorized nine settlements in the West Bank. In 2022 alone, Israeli authorities demolished and confiscated more than 950 structures in the West Bank, including homes and agricultural and livelihood-related structures. These included shops, warehouses, and public infrastructure, such as water pipes. More than 28,400 people were affected, and over 1,000 were forcibly displaced. In the first three months of 2023, over 250 structures were demolished, affecting more than 11,000 people and displacing almost 400. The announcement of the new legislation and the increased number of demolitions and evictions will likely cause an uprising in the West Bank, mainly in cities and refugee camps, resulting in violence and clashes between Israeli security forces and Palestinians, both civilians and armed individuals and groups. In May 2021, forced evictions and demolitions in East Jerusalem sparked protests and the escalation of hostilities in both the West Bank and Gaza. In the West Bank, 26 people were killed, and about 6,900 were injured. In Gaza, 256 were killed, and 2,000 were injured. Impact An uprising in the West Bank will expose at least 3 million Palestinians to conflict and deteriorating humanitarian conditions, with a spillover of violence into Gaza. During the first, 1987-1980s, and second, 2000-2005, Palestinian uprisings, the violence killed nearly 2,000 and 4,300 people, respectively, with 75% of the casualties being Palestinians. The second uprising caused a steep decline in all Palestinian economic indicators, the real national income shrunk by 38%, and both exports and imports contracted by about 33%. Over a quarter of the private workforce was laid off during the second intifada, affecting livelihoods and forcing households to adopt negative coping mechanisms, such as selling assets, borrowing, and cutting consumptions, including food. A new uprising will significantly affect livelihoods and humanitarian conditions for Palestinians already suffering a humanitarian crisis. Currently, an estimated 2.1 million Palestinians, of the total population of 5.3 million, are in need of humanitarian assistance, including 800,000 people residing in the West Bank and 1.3 million in Gaza. Palestinians already face serious protection challenges, including threats to life, liberty, security, property, and freedom of movement compounded by a lack of accountability and effective remedy. In the West Bank, OCHA categorizes the humanitarian situation for one quarter of households as catastrophic, extreme, or severe, and 31% reported challenges in meeting basic needs, such as food and health. In Gaza Strip, OCHA categorizes the humanitarian situation for 29% of households as catastrophic or extreme, and 81% reported challenges in meeting basic needs, such as food and health. Democratic Republic of Congo, DRC The expansion of the areas under the control of the 23rd of March movement, M23, in North Kivu causes increased violence targeting Rwandophone communities, resulting in displacement and protection needs. Risk level, medium. Probability, medium. Impact, moderate. Rationale Since the resurgence of the M23 in November 2021, Tensions have intensified between the DRC and Rwanda, which accuse each other of supporting rival armed groups in North Kivu province. 
Demonstrations by civil society organizations have taken place in several provinces of the country since May 2022 to support the Congolese army, demand a more offensive attitude from the East Africa Regional Force towards the M23, or even express their hostility towards Rwanda. These demonstrations often turn into attacks against people and their property because of their presumed Rwandan origins or proximity to the M23. Since January 2022, riots or attacks by armed groups targeting people of Rwandan origin have killed at least 12 people. These attacks have intensified since June 2022 in Manyema, North Kivu, and South Kivu provinces, shortly after the M23 took over the border town of Bunagana. In February 2022, Demonstrations against the regional forces' lack of action escalated into the destruction and looting of shops believed to be Tutsi-owned. Churches were also ransacked on the grounds that they were mainly frequented by the Banyamalinge community, descendants of Rwandans. Because of the inability of the regional force, Monusco, and the Congolese army to curb the advances of the M23, violence against Rwandophone communities is likely to increase. In addition, these communities are increasingly being accused of sympathy for the M23. Some of them claim to have been threatened and beaten by Congolese troops or armed groups and militias fighting the M23 in Kishanga, Masisi territory, forcing them to flee to other localities and hide. A ceasefire expected to start on 7 March 2023 and supposed to be implemented by the M23 was announced by the President of Angola, which is currently mediating peace efforts between the DRC, Rwanda, and the M23. That said, the ceasefire seems unlikely to lead to the M23 withdrawing from the controlled areas or to a decrease in the intensity of the anti-Rwandan sentiments in the DRC. While the ceasefire is supposed to have taken effect, clashes between the Congolese army and the M23 still continue, and both sides accuse each other of launching attacks on their positions. Impact The expansion of the area under M23 control is likely to cause an increase in retaliatory attacks against Rwandophone communities across the country. The property of many people from these communities will likely be destroyed or looted in the demonstrations that follow M23 advances. With the context of the tension between the governments of the DRC and Rwanda being conducive to the expression of hostile feelings against the latter, some civil society members will continue to maintain a discourse of hatred against Rwandophone communities. Incidents involving armed groups and militias fighting the M23 and conflating ethnicity and ideological support are also likely to increase. Although not the whole country subscribes to such stigmatization, and certain civil society organizations continue to defend Rwandophones, such as Association Jun Tutsio Nord Kivu and the Ishidu Says of Kinshasa, the security of the latter will likely be increasingly threatened, particularly in areas where armed groups fighting the M23 are active. Many protesters will consider members of Rwandophone communities as foreigners and threaten them into returning to Rwanda. The announcement of the Rwandan president to no longer host Congolese refugees, without giving more details, risks further reducing the options of those who wish to find refuge in Rwanda. As a result, new IDPs, both Rwandophone and not, within the DRC will be added to the thousands already displaced by the resurgence of the M23, with critical needs for protection, health, livelihoods, and shelter. Nigeria High inflation and economic disruptions contribute to worsening food insecurity countrywide. Risk level, medium. Probability, medium. Impact, moderate. Rationale. Inflation rates in Nigeria have risen steadily since January 2022 and are projected to remain high or rise further in 2023. In January 2023, the inflation rate was 21.82%, the highest since September 2005. 
Food inflation in January 2023 also rose to the highest in 17 years. Floods in 2022 damaged 676,000 hectares of farmland and affected harvests at the end of the year, possibly contributing to food inflation in 2023. In 2023, the residual impact from the floods, compounded by high fertilizer prices, is likely to contribute to the lower domestic production of staple crops, like maize, paddy rice, and sorghum, and export crops, like cocoa beans. A decline in domestic crop production could push food prices higher, since the demand would exceed the supply. The Nigerian Naira could also further depreciate against the US dollar in 2023, resulting in costlier imports and contributing to increased inflation. By early 2023, fuel shortages countrywide had driven up fuel prices and increased transportation costs, contributing to high inflation rates. Cash shortages had also resulted from a government initiative to phase out existing Naira notes and replace them with new ones. The lack of cash to continue business operations has forced many small businesses and traders to cease operations. These cash and fuel shortages have triggered violent protests in Kano, Ogun, and Oyo states. High levels of electoral violence characterize the pre-electoral season, October 2022 to February 2023, with protests breaking out after the announcement of the outcome of the February presidential elections. These factors have caused high levels of socio-political uncertainty, creating an unfavorable environment for businesses. To minimize losses, many businesses and investors are expected to adopt a cautious approach in early 2023, possibly contributing to an economic slowdown in the first quarter of the year. Impact 133 million Nigerians are multidimensionally poor. Low-income households spend a greater share of their income on food. They are likely to be the most affected by the higher cost of living, which could push them deeper into poverty. The disruption of business activities and livelihoods as a result of pre-slash-post-electoral violence, compounded by the cash shortage, is likely to reduce income for people working in the informal sector. The income of many households will not increase in line with rising inflation, and the decline in real income would erode their purchasing power. Food inflation contributes to worsening levels of acute food insecurity. The number of people facing acute food insecurity in Nigeria is projected to increase from 17 million between October to December 2022 to 25 million between June to August 2023. Unemployment rates are likely to increase as a result of a slowdown in economic growth in 2023. The rise in unemployment could in turn increase mental health concerns, such as depression and suicidal ideation. It could also drive high crime rates and contribute to higher levels of conflict and violence in the country since unemployment is among the factors that drive recruitment into armed groups. An escalation in violence would result in displacement and disrupt farming activities, further worsening food insecurity. Pakistan Pakistan's prolonged economic crisis and stalling of the bailout program result in increased poverty and social unrest, leading to heightened food insecurity and protection concerns. Risk level, medium. Probability, low. Impact, Significant. Rationale. Pakistan's economy is in decline as a result of the compound effects of COVID-19, the war in Ukraine on the global supply chain and trade, and the 2022 monsoon floods on the country's production. The country is currently experiencing a balance of payments crisis because of high external debt. Along with high inflation rates, the consumer price inflation rate rose to 31.5% in February 2023 compared with 12.2% in February 2022 currency depreciation, and a drop in foreign reserves, this crisis has made the country dependent on loans. Pakistan's foreign reserves dropped to 2.9 billion US dollars in February 2023, from 4.3 billion in January 2023, 
affecting the country's ability to import basic goods. This has already caused a shortage of essential medicine and medical equipment. A new IMF loan could be dispersed, after having stalled since 2022, but this loan is conditioned on some economic reforms and austerity measures Pakistan has so far failed to follow. Funding options from other sources, such as the Gulf countries, are also getting narrower, as these countries also signal to lend Pakistan money on the same conditions given by the IMF. Regardless of funding from the IMF and other countries, the Pakistani government will likely need to make structural reforms to avoid an economic collapse, including reducing subsidies and introducing new taxes, affecting both enterprises and people's economies. The industrial sector is preparing for more job cuts and a sharp decline in production, with over 1 million informal workers in the textile sector expected to lose their jobs. Small businesses have been greatly affected, and some people are finding it difficult to afford basic necessities, such as food and education. Political instability and insecurity have also led to a significant fall in foreign investment. The activity of Taliban and Islamic State-affiliated groups contribute to high levels of insecurity, especially in Balochistan and Khyber Pakhtunkhwa province. Since 2021, there have been active protests across Pakistan against political instability and growing armed group activities. The deepening economic decline is likely to generate additional mass protests, resulting in increased social unrest. Pakistan's Central Organization of Traders has announced its plan to organize statewide demonstrations in response to the government's potential implementation of IMF-recommended tax increases, which would add to the current political demonstrations against the increased activity of armed groups. Impact The impact of this prolonged economic crisis is multifaceted and will likely result in the increased prices of essential commodities, food insecurity, a livelihood crisis, and social unrest. The major impact will befall poor people. 20% of the total population was already living below the poverty line before the crisis started, and an additional 9 million people ran into poverty as a direct impact of the 2022 monsoon floods. Without international financial support, and in the event of economic austerity measures, more people will be pushed into poverty, affecting food insecurity levels across the country. Balochistan, Khyber Pakhtunkhwa, and Sindh provinces might be the worst affected, as an estimated 8.5 million people from these provinces are already facing IPC3 or worse food insecurity levels. The overall health situation and malnutrition rates will likely increase across the country, particularly among children. 17.7% of children aged under 5 are already acutely malnourished. The inability to access basic goods will likely push the poorest to adopt adverse coping strategies, such as skipping meals, borrowing money, removing children from schools, and resorting to child labor. The 2022 floods displaced 7.9 million people, including 800,000 refugees. Pakistan hosts a total of 1.35 million refugees, mostly from Afghanistan. The impact of this risk will be more severe on displaced people already in need of humanitarian assistance. Finally, a possible intensification of social unrest could result in violence, potentially causing internal and cross-border displacement. Afghan refugees would face secondary displacement or forced returns as a result. Displacement would then expose them to several risks, including human trafficking and exploitation, particularly for women and children. Peru Continued protests and mobility restrictions affect the living conditions of economically vulnerable population groups, worsening their overall living conditions. Risk level, medium. Probability, medium. Impact, moderate. Rationale Socio-political instability in Peru, which has been continuing for more than two years, 
has been on the rise since the 7th of December 2022 because of the impeachment of Pedro Castillo, the president elected on the 20th of July 2021. This is the fifth presidential impeachment since 2018. The subsequent appointment of Dina Boluart as president, a former vice president in Castillo's government, sparked nationwide protests especially in Arequipa, Cusco, Lima, and Puno cities. The protests are likely to continue if some of the demands are not met, including the dismissal of Boluart, general elections to renew Congress, and a new constitution. The response to the protests included mobility restrictions, mass arrests, and 60 killings as of mid-February. A similar response can be expected for future protests. In Peru, around 1,700,000 people are estimated to be in need of humanitarian assistance, including around 1.01 million Venezuelans living in Peru, 66,200 Venezuelans in transit, and 618,000 Peruvians, especially indigenous and Afro-Peruvians. In 2022, Peruvian inflation reached 8.46%, the highest in 26 years, resulting in a higher cost of living and lower spending capacity. Sociopolitical instability is aggravating an already weakened economic situation, hitting mainly the most economically vulnerable groups. Since 2017, political instability has been weakening public institutions, including the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, which processes residence permits. These institutional shortcomings have affected the Venezuelan population. Delays in the processing of permits have resulted in at least 35% of Venezuelans remaining in an irregular situation, affecting their access to basic necessities, such as education and health. A nationwide state of emergency declared on 15 December 2022 and extended for 60 days on 4 February 2023 will likely further restrict mobility. The state of emergency involves the suspension of several basic rights, including to freedom of movement, personal liberty, and security. The effects of prolonged social unrest are expected to be felt mainly by the most economically vulnerable population and will cause a deterioration of their living conditions. Impact Prolonged protests and further extensions of the state of emergency are expected to result in mobility restrictions, affecting the labor force and the livelihoods of the most economically vulnerable groups in the country. Over 80% of Venezuelans do not hold permanent employment contracts and are at higher risk of dismissal. Although there are no exact figures, Many Venezuelans earn their income in the informal sector as street vendors, and the protests undermine their sales. Labor constraints may further impact Venezuelan women's income, as they tend to earn lower wages and spend more time on informal work. Indigenous and Afro-Peruvian people also tend to be economically vulnerable, with at least 38.5% and 32.1%, respectively, falling below the poverty line. These groups have limited access to the formal labor sector and lower wages owing to exclusion and racism. The economic impact of sociopolitical instability has decreased the availability of fuel and food, leading to high food prices and reduced purchasing power, which may affect food security. For Venezuelans, further delays in their regularization could also restrict access to education and public health care. Changes in the migration law in early February 2023, which requires regularization for rent, can also limit their access to housing. Poor road infrastructure, complex geographical areas, such as mountains and deserts, and a lack of connectivity between regions, especially in rural areas where people in need live, are already hampering humanitarian access. Road blockades, fuel shortages, and violence during protests may further hamper humanitarian operations from reaching people in need. At least 1.57 million Venezuelan migrants, asylum seekers, and refugees in Peru by December 2022. Timeline of socio-political instability and main migration developments in Peru. 
2015 Start of Venezuelan Migration to Peru The 23rd of March 2018 Impeachment of President Pedro Pablo Kuczynski, Appointment of President Martín Vizcarra and the Beginning of Sociopolitical Instability the 9th of November 2020 Impeachment of President Martin Vizcarra and Appointment of President Manuel Marino. The 15th of November 2020 Impeachment of President Manuel Marino and Appointment of President Francisco Sagasti. The 28th of July 2021 Impeachment of President Francisco Sagasti and Appointment of President Pedro Castillo. The 7th of December 2022 Impeachment of Pedro Castillo, Appointment of Dina Boluat as new president and start of protests. The 15th of December 2022 entry into force of the first state of emergency for 30 days. The 4th of February 2023 extension of the state of emergency for another 60 days. The 15th of February 2023 modification of legislative decree 1236, the migration law, which imposes new restrictions on access to goods and services for migrants in an irregular situation. Turkey/Syria Involuntary mass returns of Syrians refugees from Turkey results in displacement, increased protection needs and deterioration in the humanitarian situation in northwest Syria. Risk level, medium. Probability, low. Impact, significant. Rationale. The current president of Turkey, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, has vowed to return 1 million out of the 3.5 million Syrian refugees in the country to 13 areas held by Turkish-backed Syrian opposition factions, mainly in northwest Syria, with no set date yet. With the approaching general Turkish elections scheduled in May 2023, some leaders from the main opposition parties are also vowing to return at least 2 million Syrian refugees within two years if they were to win the elections. Early opinion polls have pointed to a tight contested election in May, with some early polls showing opposition coalition parties leading. The anti-refugee public sentiment in Turkey has been increasing in the past years according to opinion polls, in combination with the decline of the economic situation generating competition over jobs and services. The Turkish government had already announced in 2022 the construction of more than 68,000 prefabricated briquette houses in areas of northwest Syria for the return of Syrian refugees. The construction of these houses is part of the bigger project to establish residential compounds in 13 areas of northern Syria, which would eventually absorb 1 million Syrian refugees from Turkey. Around a half million Syrians have already voluntarily returned to Syria, some because of economic hardship, discrimination, and a general feeling of being unsafe in Turkey. The earthquakes that hit southeastern Turkey and northwestern Syria in February 2023 could increase the resentment towards refugees, as competition over public services and housing would likely increase. The deterioration of humanitarian conditions in northwest Syria as a result of the earthquakes will pose challenges and delay the Turkish government's plans to return Syrian refugees to the region. Impact The plan of the current Turkish government and opposition parties to return Syrian refugees would expose at least 5 million people to the risk. This figure includes the refugees currently in Turkey and the people residing in Turkish-backed Syrian opposition functions in northwest Syria. The influx of returnees will put a strain on infrastructure and limited resources, worsening humanitarian needs in the area. The February earthquakes highly affected northwestern Syria, killing more than 51,000 people, injuring more than 120,000, and damaging more than 220,000 buildings, including hospitals. Prior to the earthquake, northwest Syria was already hosting 2.9 million IDPs, with 1.8 million living in camps. 4 million people relied on humanitarian assistance, with 3.3 million being food insecure. 
Northwest Syria faces very high humanitarian access constraints in an area where politics and humanitarian issues overlap. Cross-border and cross-line operations have been highly constrained and since 2014 regularly renegotiated at the UNSC level. Aid for Northwest Syria is highly politicized and has been limited by authorities in charge of different areas. Damaged infrastructure from the conflict and earthquakes further complicates humanitarian access in the region, potentially hampering the provision of assistance to returnees. Many returnees to Syria are facing grave human rights violations, torture, and blackmail by the government of Syria and the different opposition militias. Future returnees from Turkey are likely to face similar protection concerns. On the longer term, if the areas of return would come under the control of the Syrian army, whether to prevent Turkish advancement or in coordination with Turkey, there would be heightened concerns for the safety of those perceived by the government of Syria as opposition figures and activists. Zimbabwe Electoral violence, compounded by the deepening economic crisis, leads to protection incidents and increased food insecurity across the country. Risk level, medium. Probability, medium. Impact, significant. Rationale. General elections in Zimbabwe are scheduled for July or August 2023. Regularly disputed and contested results because of electoral malpractices since 1995 and episodes of political violence make tensions around elections also probable this year. In 2022, there were more than 140 protests and riots and 2,000 cases of political violence countrywide, an increase by more than half compared to the cases recorded in 2021. Divisive remarks by some politicians about the upcoming elections are likely to be a breeding ground for violence. Opposition rallies are already experiencing violent incidents resulting in injuries, fatalities, and the postponement of their rallies. The present government has yet to implement any promised electoral reforms recommended by the EU election observation missions after the 2018 elections. Opposition parties are also distrustful of the institutions tasked with managing the electoral process, i.e. the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission and the courts tasked with hearing electoral issues. Each side is unlikely to concede defeat because they are confident of victory, and supporters of the losing candidate may refuse to accept the electoral outcome. Foreign investors are likely to be skeptical of investing during the electoral period because of possible insecurity. The withdrawal of foreign investment could lead to a rise in unemployment rates and a decrease in purchasing power. As of the 1st of February 2023, inflation stood at 229.8%. It is likely to remain above 200% in 2023. Increased inflation and further currency devaluation resulting from economic disruptions could contribute to further increasing the prices of imported goods, such as fertilizers, food, and petroleum products. Impact Social unrest following the elections will likely increase police violence, arbitrary arrests, and forced disappearances. The violence will likely disrupt access to services, such as education and health, and lead to the damage or destruction of business properties. There will also likely be an increase in cases of sexual and gender-based violence, which the military and police have been accused of during protests, especially in areas where there are no civil society organizations monitoring or reporting on the situation. Survivors will require health care and psychological support, as well as access to legal services. The increase in fertilizer prices will likely further affect households already experiencing low agricultural produce because of successive drought and climate changes, leaving them vulnerable to food insecurity. 8 million people were estimated to experience IPC3 or worse levels of food insecurity in December 2022, an increase of around 200,000 people from November 2022 and of 400,000 from October. A further reduction in household purchasing power, the devaluation of the local currency, 
and an increase in the prices of food and fertilizers could increase the number of food insecure people by mid-2023. Armenia slash Azerbaijan Escalation of conflict between Armenian and Azerbaijan in Nagorno-Karabakh triggered by the Liashin Corridor blockade results in population displacement and increased humanitarian needs. Risk level, low. Probability, low. Impact, moderate. Rationale. Since 12 December 2022, Azerbaijan has blocked the Liashin Corridor, which connects Nagorno-Karabakh with Armenia. There have been reports of shortages of essential medicine and food as a result of the blockade, affecting those living in Nagorno-Karabakh, largely ethnic Armenians. Gas and electricity provision and internet connectivity have been disrupted during the blockade, demonstrating Azerbaijan's ability to affect the access to essential resources of Nagorno-Karabakh residents. The Liashin Corridor, which runs across Azerbaijani territory, is the only land connection between Armenia and the Nagorno-Karabakh enclave. The Azerbaijani government reports that the road is open for Russian peacekeepers and emergency services of the International Committee of the Red Cross, but transit is still limited for trucks transporting essential goods and for stranded civilians. On the 22nd of February 2023, the International Court of Justice issued a provisional measure ordering Azerbaijan to end the blockage of Liashin Corridor. Armenia is accusing Azerbaijan of ignoring these orders. Nagorno-Karabakh is a long-disputed area between Azerbaijan and Armenia. In September 2020, tensions between the two countries over the Nagorno-Karabakh region escalated into armed conflict, killing more than 140 civilians and thousands of combatants. On 9 November 2020, the country signed a ceasefire agreement, but tensions still continued. In September 2022, clashes between the two countries resulted in 207 dead or missing people, internally displaced 7,600, affected 160,000 in total, and damaged over 90 buildings. Nagorno-Karabakh has been recognized as part of Azerbaijan since 1993 but is de facto controlled by an ethnic Armenian administration. Russia has previously intervened to mitigate tensions between the two countries over Nagorno-Karabakh and has a peacekeeping troop on the Liashin Corridor. Since the beginning of the blockade, in December 2022, Russia has taken a distant role in the situation because of its war with Ukraine. The current tensions between Armenia and Azerbaijan could result in renewed hostilities between the two countries, with a subsequent humanitarian implication similar to those in September 2020 and 2022. Impact An escalation of conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan in Nagorno-Karabakh will expose at least 1.5 million people in and around the contested region to conflict, displacement, and humanitarian needs. Previous conflict between the two countries killed more than 25,000 people and displaced more than 1 million. The conflict escalation is expected to increase the displacement of mainly ethnically Armenian residents from Nagorno-Karabakh. Most likely, the displacement will be towards areas in Armenia, as has happened during previous hostilities. Because the area still has landmines from the 1988 to 1994 conflict and the 2020 hostilities, relocation and displacement would increase protection incidents. The displacement of people and forced confinements during conflict disrupt income-generating activities, especially in agriculture. During previous hostilities, one of the main priorities was restoring livelihood support so that people could meet their basic needs, particularly regarding food. During past conflicts between the two countries, various diseases affected the health of displaced populations, including COVID-19, monkeypox, waterborne diseases, and other vaccine-preventable diseases. Future hostilities will likely cause displacement, which will lead to shelter needs. In 2020, shelter was one of the priority needs.
displacement, livelihood disruptions, fighting, and insecurity will also result in an increased need for mental health and psychosocial support to overcome stress and trauma. Tunisia A political deadlock and economic deterioration increased protests and civil strikes, leading to clashes between civilians and security forces and increased food and livelihood needs, especially in central western governorates. Risk level, low. Probability, low. Impact, moderate. Rationale. Following the Jasmine Revolution in 2011, Tunisia has been experiencing a sharp socio-economic crisis marked by high unemployment, particularly among educated youth, and slow economic growth. A mismanagement of the country's finances has led to shortages in foreign currency reserves, affecting imports and the availability of some food items in the market, such as milk, butter, and sugar. The IMF has frozen an agreement meant to help the government get loans to pay public sector salaries and fill budget gaps aggravated by the COVID-19 pandemic and the fallout from Russia-Ukraine war. The loan is conditioned on political reforms that have not been met until today. Even if an IMF loan is secure, the government will still likely have to follow the IMF conditions and reduce food and energy subsidies, driving more protests across the country. People have been increasingly protesting to remove President Kais Saeed since he sacked the parliament in July 2021. Most people consider the political deadlock a major reason for the increase in food and fuel prices. By September 2022 people had started experiencing shortages of commodities in markets, increasing discontent with the way the president was running the country. The government's inability to pay subsidies and public salaries has already triggered strikes, such as in the bakery and transportation sectors. Inflation rates have been following a steady upward trend since July 2021, and will likely continue to increase alongside food prices. The number and intensity of protests will likely increase, with the possibility of clashes with security forces. Major strikes in the education and health sectors are also likely to take place, as disruptions to their access to these services will likely increase people's frustration with the government. It is also likely that organized civil unions, such as the Tunisian General Labour Union, will be calling for even more protests and igniting a social uprising until the removal of the president. Impact About 2.5 million people, more than 21% of Tunisia's population, who live under the poverty line will likely experience difficulties in accessing food and employment in case of a social uprising in Tunisia. States in the central western governorates, Al-Kaf, Beja, Kairoun, and Kasserine, who already have the highest poverty rates in Tunisia, will likely be the most affected. Kairoun, in particular, has the largest number of people living below the poverty line, nearly 200,000, 10 times higher than in Tunis governorate. The central western governorates are also the least served in terms of access to services, such as education and livelihoods. These social and economic vulnerabilities will likely increase the impact of a social uprising on the residents of cities in the central western region of Tunisia. A social uprising will further hinder efforts to obtain loans from the IMF or even the World Bank, meaning that food prices will likely increase further. The import of food items will also likely be limited, as the government will continue to lack foreign currency to do so. A social uprising will also aggravate the socio-economic crisis Tunisia is facing, leading to higher unemployment rates that will affect mainly the livelihoods of the most vulnerable people. Latest developments to watch Italy New restrictions and potential logistical delays in issuing needed permissions for humanitarian organizations' rescue ships will likely increase the number of missing migrants and asylum seekers in the Mediterranean. Towards the end of 2022, 
The newly elected Italian government made amendments to a decree issued by the Ministry of Interior in 2018 known as the Security Decree. The amendments concern restrictions around the stay and disembarkation of both commercial and rescue ships in Italian waters of the Mediterranean Sea. The decree states that organizations will only be able to carry out a single rescue each time they are at sea after obtaining permissions from the Sea Coordination Center, whereas ships usually carry out multiple rescues. At the same time, the government recently started assigning ports for NGO rescue ships to dock, which are far away from Sicily where NGO boats normally disembark after rescuing migrants and asylum seekers. And people stranded at sea would face an increasing risk of drowning during bad weather and sea conditions. Both measures could result in significant delays for rescue ships to return to search and rescue operation areas. In the event of any political interference or bureaucratic delay, some logistical delays will likely occur during the implementation of these procedures. This could further hinder rescue operations. People stranded at sea risk dehydration and drowning, since migration boats are unsafe. Children, especially unaccompanied ones, are the most at risk. Without the timely rescue of migrants and asylum seekers, they will face higher risks of drowning at sea or increased needs for urgent healthcare. Moldova Russian interference escalating violence in Moldova results in security concerns and disrupts access to services and humanitarian aid. Anti-government protests attended by thousands of people began in Chisinau, Moldova, in September 2022 and have continued into early 2023 because of the high cost of living. The protests were organized by pro-Russia political parties with funding from Russia. Russia is likely aiming to fuel the social tensions and political instability in Moldova to interfere in Moldova's path to the EU. The protests are happening in a period of socio-economic distress caused by the combined negative economic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, the effects of the 2020 drought, and the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which triggered a refugee influx in 2022. These have been compounded by an energy crisis, after a 30% reduction of gas supply by Russia in October 2022, which reached 50% by the end of 2022. Energy costs are affecting poor households, particularly those in rural areas. The inflation rate in December 2022 reached 30%, up from 14% during the same period in 2021. Both the Moldovan and refugee populations have been affected by economic hardship and become more reliant on governmental and international support. Ukrainian refugees continue to arrive in the country, with almost 110,000 present as of mid-March 2023, up from 90,000 in October 2022. Overall, Moldova received almost 650,000 Ukrainian refugees and 77,000 third-country nationals since late February 2022. Russia is known to have plans to destabilize Moldova by sending armed individuals into Moldova to take control of state institution buildings by force, a situation that can be aggravated by the presence of Russian military forces in Transnistria, designated by the Council of Europe as a Russian-occupied territory of Moldova. Social unrest and a potential violent overthrow of the EU-oriented government would result in the disruption of services and humanitarian response in Moldova, as well as overall reduced security and access in the country. Yemen. The formation of a new military force under the chairman of the Presidential Leadership Council, PLC, risks sparking renewed tensions among members of the anti-Houthi front, leading to fighting in the south, which would result in displacements and social and economic deterioration. On 29 January, head of the PLC Rashid al-Alimi issued a presidential decree to establish new reserve military units under its command called the National Shield Forces, with the support of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, KSA. The decision is an effort to unify under one structure all military units in areas under the control of the internationally recognized government of Yemen, IRG, 
but it has raised concerns that the new military formation will be a presidential force competing with armed groups under the command of other members of the PLC, namely those affiliated with the Southern Transitional Council, STC. Under the Riyadh Agreement signed in 2019, all IRG and STC forces should fall under the supervision of the KSA. As the agreement stalled, the KSA has tried to find new opportunities to strengthen its influence among the fragmented southern governorates under the nominal control of the IRG but de facto ruled by a number of different forces, mainly the STC. Depending on how the president of the PLC will determine the real objectives and location of the National Shield forces, there is a risk of escalating tensions within the anti-Houthi front, delegitimizing the PLC, and leading to fighting among different armed groups in IRG-controlled governorates. The fighting would likely result in displacement and economic deterioration, with a risk of violence spreading to other areas if the DFA takes advantage of the situation to reignite expansionist efforts, particularly around Marib. ACAPS continues to monitor the situation, particularly in light of talks among the warring parties for the renewal of the truce agreement. Update from the October 2022 Risk Analysis This is an update of the risks identified in the last Global Risk Analysis report published in October 2022. Colombia In January 2023, ACAPS raised a risk on dialogue and negotiations between the Colombian government and armed groups deteriorate the security situation in targeted regions and increase attacks against civilians in areas under their influence. As at March 2023, while dialogue and negotiations are ongoing, attacks against civilians, including forced displacement, confinement and HRD killings persist in areas under the influence or disputed by armed groups. For more information of current active risks, and evolution of past risks, ACAPS raised for Colombia you can read our Colombia Risk Analysis Update Report. Coastal Countries of West Africa, Medium Risk The expansion of armed groups from Central Sahel to coastal countries, Benin, Côte d'Ivoire, Ghana and Togo, leads to displacement and increased food insecurity. This risk is materializing at a slow pace. A progressive deterioration of the security situation in the northern regions of West African coastal countries is observed. Between October 2022 and January 2023, more than 73 violent incidents involving mostly non-state armed groups have been reported in the northern regions of Benin, Côte d'Ivoire, Ghana, and Togo. On the same period in 2022, around 30 incidents were reported. These incidents included attacks on civilians and security forces, kidnappings, the destruction of property, and the use of improvised explosive devices. Benin is the country recording the highest number of attacks by armed groups, followed by Togo. In Côte d'Ivoire and Ghana, the attacks are on a smaller scale given a still low presence of armed groups, but these are becoming more regular. The violence has started to trigger internal displacement in Benin and Togo. In Benin, at least 1,200 IDPs have been reported in the Department of Atacora, while in Togo, more than 2,200 IDPs are registered in the region of Savannas. Armed group activity in the northern regions of Benin, Côte d'Ivoire, Ghana, and Togo has not seemed to affect food insecurity levels, as the number of food insecure people remained stable between October to December 2022 compared to the same period in 2021. DRC, medium risk level. The resurgence of the 23rd of March movement, M23, and intensification of conflict lead to displacement and further deterioration of the humanitarian situation in Nord Kivu. The DRC update below refers to the risk initially raised in March 2022 and then updated in the Global Risk Analysis of October 2022. This risk has materialized, while the humanitarian situation continues to deteriorate. Clashes between the Congolese army and the M23 are still continuing, forcing thousands of people to flee. 
the M23 continues to expand its area of influence and threatens to cut off the main supply routes to Goma, the capital of North Kivu. The killing of more than 100 people in December 2022 is also attributed to the M23. As of January 2023, more than 520,000 had been displaced since the clashes intensified in March 2022. A lack of food and the poor living conditions of the displaced people in sites in Kanyarushinya and surrounding areas in Niyaragongo territory led to the declaration of a cholera outbreak by the provincial authorities on 14 December 2022. The confirmed cases have risen to 4,530, with 16 related deaths recorded in Niyaragongo and Karasimbi health zones as of 8 February 2023. The ceasefire agreement concluded in Luanda between the DRC and Rwanda in November 2022, which requires the withdrawal of M23 fighters from areas under their control, has not been followed. In November 2022, East African states deployed a regional force to end armed group violence in eastern DRC. That said, some civil society organizations and inhabitants of North Kivu do not perceive this force as offensive enough. Demonstrations have taken place mainly in Goma to demand the departure of this force or a more offensive attitude towards the M23. The negotiations conducted by the regional force with the M23, perceived by some as support for the armed group, have reinforced doubts on the agenda of the regional force. The M23 continues to illegally tax people in areas under their control and to forcibly recruit civilians into their ranks. Indonesia, medium risk level. Violent crackdown on protests and insurgency, and rising ethnic tensions after the announced division of Papua province result in increased displacement and protection needs in West Papua Territory. The risk has not materialized yet and is still active. The law to divide Papua province into four provinces in Indonesia was passed in June 2022. In December 2022, the government of Indonesia went ahead with the division of West Papua province into West Papua and South West Papua provinces. Protests and riots in reaction to social and political issues, such as disputes and human rights violations, continued at a similar pace in West Papua Territory throughout 2021-2022, contrary to ACAP's anticipated increase in the October 2022 risk report. There have been some protests against the creation of Southwest Papua Province. Violent incidents have become less frequent and less intense, with fewer fatalities, since October 2022 compared to what was observed in 2021 and the first eight months of 2022. The West Papua National Liberation Army TPNPB, has continued their separatist activities and engaged in clashes with the Indonesian security forces from October 2022 to January 2023. Activists continue to fight the government through protests, lobbying and gaining public support from other provinces. The Indonesian president has continued to call for the implementation of stern policies in the region to thwart armed group activities. Papua Province's governor was arrested by the country's anti-graft agency after he was charged with bribery in return for infrastructure contracts. On the other hand, some activists believe that he was arrested because of his opposition to the creation of new provinces in West Papua Territory. The TPNPB has rejected all forms of government offers and asked non-Papuans to leave the region. It has threatened to kill those who would support the government in the newly created provinces in the region. General elections in Indonesia are scheduled for the 14th of February 2024, and the new provinces are set to participate in them. This will likely heighten tensions in West Papua Territory from 2023 to 2024. Mauritania, low risk level. Rising food and fuel prices worsen socioeconomic instability and ethnic tensions, leading to social unrest and food and livelihood needs. The risk has not materialized, as inflation rates reached a peak in October. 12.7%, and started to decrease since then. 
inflation rates in January dropped to 10.3%. There have been no major changes in the food security situation, as food insecure people remained in stressed, IPC phase 2, levels. Even though the harvest season between October to December 2022 was generally good, some people resorted to buying from markets to meet their food needs despite high inflation and the rising prices of some food items. There is no indication that the local currency of Mauritania, the Ugia, has seen any further depreciation. There has also been no social unrest in the past months. The prices of some food items continued to rise as at February 2023, as the risks suggested. These food items included fruits and vegetables, tomatoes, potatoes, and onions, milk, cheese, eggs, fish, seafood, and cooking oils. Food inflation rates peaked in July 2022, 17.4%. Between August 2022 and January 2023, food inflation ranged between 11.8 to 15.9%. Mexico, medium risk level. An increase in the number of Haitian and Salvadoran migrants and asylum seekers in Mexico seeking to reach the U.S. causes a deterioration of needs at the southern border. The risk materialized from January to December 2022, with around over 444,000 migrants and asylum seekers crossing into Mexico, an increase of 44.4% compared to 2021. On the southern border alone, more than 152,400 people entered through the state of Chiapas and around 48,300 through the state of Tabasco in 2022, an increase of 99% and 9.9%, respectively, compared to 2021. In El Salvador, since October 2022, political instability, the economic crisis, and the current state of emergency have triggered the increase in asylum applications of Salvadorans in Mexico. In 2022, around 7,400 Salvadorans applied for asylum in Mexico, an increase of almost 80% compared to the previous year. The main drivers for Salvadorans leaving the country have been increased protection needs and declining livelihoods. In Haiti, the humanitarian crisis has been deteriorating. By January 2023, at least 18,000 Haitian migrants and asylum seekers were stranded at Mexico's southern border, especially owing to delays in migration procedures. The increase in migration flow has led to longer delays in migration procedures and an increased number of migrants and asylum seekers stuck in southern Mexico, especially in Tapachula. The high number of arrivals at the southern border has continued to put a strain on the already limited resources, capacities, and opportunities in the area. People have no other option than to live in makeshift shelters in streets and parks. Besides shelter, health assistance, clean water, NFIs, emergency education, and food are needed. Myanmar High Risk Level The large-scale military response of the junta following the Arakan Army's increased control of Rakhine State results in intense fighting and violence, leading to displacement and increased humanitarian and protection needs. The risk is still active. Renewed conflict between the Arakan Army, AA, and the Myanmar military spanned August to November 2022, killing more than 40 civilians and displacing more than 23,000 others. As of 2 February 2023, Around 12,500 people remained displaced as a result of the conflict. The clashes ended when the two groups agreed upon a temporary truce in late November 2022. The conflict resulted in heightened security measures across Rakhine, including the blockage of waterways and roads, limiting people's movement and obstructing aid delivery. The military junta temporarily suspended all humanitarian activities in several townships, halting assistance to nearly 240,000 people. Since November, the temporary truce and relaxation of some of the access restrictions have allowed for the gradual resumption of humanitarian activities. 
increased insecurity and violence and access constraints since mid-2022, combined with existing poor socioeconomic conditions, have pushed the Rohingyas in Rakhine to increasingly embark on risky maritime journeys to reach other countries, especially Malaysia and Indonesia. Numerous Rohingyas have been arrested for traveling beyond Rakhine state in attempts to cross into foreign countries. During the conflict, the A captured or destroyed several junta bases along the border between Bangladesh and Mongdor district, in Rakhine. This allowed them to strengthen their control over the border with Bangladesh, which is critical for political and commercial relations. The military junta has been bolstering their position with a resupply of military resources in Rakhine state during the truce. Tensions between the AA and the military and its allies persist in the state. The truce is considered fragile, and it has been reported that the conflict may resume in Rakhine at any time, as the rice cultivation season is coming to an end in March-April. Sudan, medium risk level. Increased intercommunal clashes in Blue Nile state lead to displacement and more needs for shelter, healthcare, and legal documentation. The risk that more than 100,000 people would likely be displaced from Blue Nile has largely materialized, as intercommunal clashes continue to target the Hausa tribe. Between July 2022 and January 2023, Blue Nile State recorded the highest number of displacements across Sudan because of intercommunal conflict. Nearly 120,000 people have been displaced, including 97,000 within Blue Nile and 17,600 to White Nile State. The displaced need food, health, nutrition, protection, shelter, education, and wash support. Clashes have kept taking place since July between armed Hausa tribe members and armed men from other tribes, including from the Berta, Funj, Gamuz, Maj, and Masalit tribes, in many areas of Blue Nile State, especially in our Rusairis and Wad al-Mahi localities. Reasons for many of the clashes include disputes following the Hausa trying to access markets or lands and the escalation of sporadic attacks targeting Hausa tribe members while they travel between localities in Blue Nile. Some of the people displaced outside Blue Nile are experiencing severe food insecurity, which is driving them to return to Blue Nile despite the lack of security. Syria-Lebanon, medium risk level. Involuntary mass returns of Syrian refugees from Lebanon amid a current socio-economic crisis put them in unsafe and inadequate living conditions. The risk of the involuntary mass return of Syrian refugees from Lebanon is still active. In early 2022, the Lebanese government announced its plan to send 15,000 Syrian refugees monthly back to Syria. In October 2022, a first group of around 500 Syrian refugees returned under a program of the Lebanese and Syrian authorities. In November 2022, another 330 returned under the same program. Beyond these two groups, the plan has failed to materialize so far. Regardless, the risk remains active, as Syrians still face resentment from members of Lebanese host communities and face pressure from authorities to leave Lebanon through restricted access to job opportunities and services. Anti-refugee sentiments in Lebanon stem from a combination of economic, political, and social issues, including competition for jobs and pressure on the health and education systems. The economic crisis in Lebanon is worsening, with a multidimensional poverty rate rising to more than 80% in 2021, up from 42% in 2019. The unemployment rate reached around 30% in 2022 dash up from 11% in 2019. Aside from normalized relations with the Syrian government, the repatriation plans announced in May in Turkey may have emboldened the Lebanese government to announce similar plans. UN agencies and INGOs have long stated that Syria is not safe for return and have renewed calls against the plan. Syria slash medium risk level. Nearing general elections and economic hardship trigger a renewed military incursion of Turkey into northern Syria, 
resulting in displacement and urgent humanitarian and protection needs. The risk of renewed military incursion of Turkey into northern Syria is still active. In 2022, Turkey announced on multiple occasions its intentions of a military incursion into northern Syria to establish a safe zone and neutralize Kurdish armed groups in the area. The Turkish government perceives the armed groups to be linked to the armed separatist Kurdistan Workers' Party, PKK, with whom it has been in protracted armed conflict since 1984. In November 2022, an explosion in the center of Istanbul took place, killing six people and injuring 81. The Turkish government blamed Kurdish armed groups in northern Syria, escalating Turkish talks of an incursion. Turkey faces strong pushback from the US and Russia against further incursion into Syria. The earthquakes that hit southeastern Turkey and northwestern Syria in February 2023 have also resulted in high numbers of damage to buildings and critical infrastructure, deaths, injuries, and the displacement of millions. That said, the damage and destruction caused by the earthquakes in both countries reduce the risk of a Turkish incursion into northern Syria. Within Turkey, with general elections scheduled for June 2023, a military operation could raise approval ratings for Recep Tayyip Erdogan, the leader of the ruling Justice and Development Party and current president as it did in 2019, helping him secure re-election. Parallel with its military plans, Turkey renewed its intent to send one million Syrians back to Syria. Ukraine, high risk level. Increased fighting and power and gas supply disruption severely limit people's ability to access heating, resulting in loss of life and increased acute humanitarian needs in Russian-controlled areas and areas of active ground conflict in the southeast. This risk has materialized. The Russian military has continued targeting critical civilian infrastructure, with a targeted campaign on the energy infrastructure since 10 October 2022. In newly accessible areas, such as Western Kherson Oblast, the Russian forces have continued to heavily target civilian infrastructure both before and after their withdrawal in November 2022. This has resulted in displacements or evacuations of the population to safer areas outside Kherson Oblast. The damage to or destruction of civilian infrastructure has also resulted in the deterioration of people's living conditions, also pushing people to leave Kherson. Active ground conflict elsewhere has continued to result in civilian fatalities, displacements and evacuations, and a lack of access to power, heating, water, and basic services. The risk has especially materialized in active fighting hotspots, including frontline areas near Bakhmut City, in Donetsk Oblast, and in Russia-controlled areas, such as Mariupol City in Donetsk Oblast. Humanitarian access to areas outside the Ukraine government's control remain extremely constrained, while access to information in and from areas controlled by the Russian military is blocked. This prevents humanitarian responders from reaching people in need and limits the possibility of conducting assessments to evaluate the actual scale of needs. The severity of needs is the highest in all areas close to the front line and in areas controlled by the Russian military. OCHA categorizes the severity of needs to be catastrophic, in Donetsk, Kherson, Luhansk, and Zyporizhia Oblasts, the severity corresponds to level 5 as per the ACAP's informed global crisis severity index methodology. Yemen, high risk level. The collapse or non-extension of the truce leads to renewed fighting, resulting in increased civilian casualties, displacement, and reduced access to services, basic goods, and livelihoods. Despite the continuation of negotiation efforts following the expiration of the truce on 2 October 2022, Yemen's warring parties still had not signed a new agreement as of the end of February 2023. While large-scale conflict has not resumed after the end of the truce, the risk remains active, as fighting has continued along the main front lines, namely in the governorates of Ad-Dali, Al-Hodaida, Laj, Marib, and Taiz. From October to November 2022, 
the de facto authority, DFA, in the north of Yemen, also known as the Houthis, also carried out drone attacks on IRG-controlled seaports in Hadramaut and Shabwa, preventing ships from docking and suspending crude oil exports, the main sources of revenue for the IRG. The IRG said that the Ad-Daba oil terminal in Hadramaut sustained damage that will require at least five to six months of repairs. Following the attack in October, the IRG responded by warning that all options are open for retaliation, a sign that it could resume military operations. The attacks by the DFA were a means to pressure the IRG to share their revenues from crude oil exports, especially to allow the payment of public sector salaries and pensions in DFA areas. In the meantime, talks between the DFA and the KSA have continued. If the talks between the DFA and the IRG fail to lead to a renewed truce, the DFA will very likely continue attacking ports in IRG-held areas to prevent Yemeni oil from being exported, and fighting would escalate along the front lines. A prolonged loss of revenues for the IRG will likely lead to a new depreciation and volatility of the Yemeni rial in areas under their control. Violence will likely result in displacement and civilian casualties.